been on a series entitled Unshakable. And as we've said over the last couple of weeks, God's desire, God's plan, God's design for your life and mine, for our lives as believers and for all the world, really. It's just some people don't know it. His design, his plan calls for us to live an unshakable life. Because it's founded upon an unshakable faith that is based upon an unshakable God. Listen, when everything is going crazy in your life, we have to remember this. That God's not moved by it. And the same, Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in you and I is the same one that isn't moving. The thing is, we move sometimes. So let's dig into the word real quick just to recap over the last couple of weeks, just to give you some context. Uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 46 through 49. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. You can follow us on the screen if you like. Verse 46 says, but why do you call? Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say. Verse 47 goes on to say this. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. Verse 48, please. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake. It could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, listen closely, he who hears and does nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth. That's speaking of sand. Notice that they don't build houses on sand. And if they do, there's, there's some modifications they have to make in order for that foundation to stand. So he says, but he who heard and did not and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth on the sand without a foundation against which the streams uh, the, the stream beat vehemently and immediately it did what it fell and the ruin of that house was great see as a child of god if you know jesus christ is your lord and savior if you've believed upon the lord if you understand that he died he rose again Right? Most people just focus on the fact that he died, but he's not on the cross. He's not there anymore. If he was still on the cross, then guess what? We'd still be living shakable lives. We'd still be on, on, on unsteady ground, but that's not where we stand today. So he rose. So if you believe that he died and rose again and that that payment was sufficient to make you right with God, to bring you into relationship with God, and you understand that it's not based upon what you do, but upon his grace and what he's done, then guess what? This scripture qualifies you as the person who's on a solid rock. The truth is this, though, that if we don't understand what scripture reveals about who we are in Christ and about the Christ that lives in us, the power of God in us, then we can have all the power of God, all the stability that God intends for us to have in our lives and yet live shaken. We can live as if we don't have what the word of God says. How many of you know that that's dangerous ground? Verse 48 is very interesting, as I said over the last couple of weeks, because it states that the man that hears what he says and does it is like a man who builds his house upon a rock. The question is, who builds the house? Listen closely what Scripture is revealing here to us. God has done his part. 
God has given us his truth. God has given us a foundation. But it's up to you and I to work out our own salvation in reverence to who Christ is. We're supposed to do something with this truth. Let me encourage you with this. If you're here today and maybe you're going through a tough time, maybe things aren't just going quite right. Maybe you've been crying out to God. Have you ever stopped to consider that maybe God's saying, hey, what are you going to do with my truth? Because Christ talks about the man that does something with what he's heard. Right? So according to this scripture, we have to consider some things that we looked at over the last couple of weeks. We have to come to Jesus. That's the first line of defense. As a matter of fact, that's the only line of defense. That's where we should always turn to. Christ, right? So we must come to Jesus. We must hear his sayings. We've got to really lean in. That's not just talking about audibly hearing the voice of, his, of, of, of what he's saying. It's talking about us listening intently, leaning in. But above that, once we've come to Jesus, once we've listened to Jesus, we must do what he says. We must do something with the truth. How many of you know truth is of no use to you unless you do something with it. You could know that you have a mine full of gold uh, dug deep in the front of your house under your lawn, and you could walk past it every day knowing it, and if you never dig it, guess what? You'll never be able to appropriate the value that's in your possession. You'll never be able to do anything with it. And so I want us to now visually invest ourselves in this reality, to begin to see that Christ in your life is more than just good old Jesus. That it's more than just Jesus pie in the sky. That it's more than just, you know, a, a, a something religious that we do to check off on our lives. No, it's so much more. Last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. And what we were, uh, the big idea that we were looking at last week was simply this. That we are anchored in Christ. That Christ in your life is equated to an anchor. Our hope in Christ keeps us steady. The winds may blow. We might be moved a little bit. But guess what? With Christ in your life, you cannot be shaken. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to be reading it from the Amplified Bible. says this. This hope... This confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple. That, the, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. Where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What does all that mean? Here's what it's simply referring to. That Christ has gone before God and he's satisfied that which at one time kept us apart from God. He's paid the price. Now I don't have time to get into all that, but there was a time when mankind could not approach God. When they depended upon someone that God chose and this person had to go through all these rituals and all these things to be ceremoniously clean and then present before God on behalf of the people a payment for a sacrifice. They referred to it as atonement. The problem was, according to Hebrews, it wasn't good enough because he had to go year after year and do the same thing. 
And what this scripture is talking about here is that because Christ has gone before God and the payment that he made satisfied the debt of humanity, his scripture saying that we now have a confidence, a hope, which is an anchor to our soul. That soul, that word soul that speaks of your mind, that you have an anchor that assures you that no matter what comes your way, there is nothing that separates you from God, that God is present, that God loves you, that God is able, and that he will not let you down. We have this hope, which is an anchor to our soul. I want you to consider something. Because that's true, why then do we allow ourselves to be shaken sometimes? Why do we let this mind of ours get so unsteady, so unstable? This week, as we continue exploring our unshakable faith, the unshakable life that's ours in Christ, I'd like to pick up where we left off last week by sharing today's big idea. Here's what I want you to center your mind around today. Here's what I want you to really stop and consider. And then chew on it a little bit more throughout the week. That the greater one that is within you is greater than the pressure that is without. The greater one within you. Listen closely. God himself has chosen to make your life a place of habitation. He lives in you. The Bible says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. There's separation between you and God. Now, I know you might look at yourself. I know you might look at the things you do. I know you might refer to your past. But just understand something, that God isn't relating to you that way. God does not relate to you according to your flesh. God's not looking at you based upon where you've been. If he still was, then guess what? What Jesus did wasn't good enough. And so now God looks at you and I according to the new creation that we are in Christ. He goes on to say, behold, old things are passed away. In other words, consider this. The old is gone. And then he says, behold, the new is come. That's where we live today. That's how God sees you and I. And so there's a greater one living within us that's greater than the pressure that pushes upon us from without. It reminds me of a story I once heard of this guy, and he was just overwhelmed. He felt weak. He felt like uh, he was of no use. Like, uh, he felt like God had given up on him. So one day he goes to God, and he goes, God, God, help me, God. I'm weak, God. Uh, change me, God. Strengthen me, God. And God says to him, son, I hear you. I've been there the whole time. So he says to him, son, you see that big boulder over there? He says, yes, Lord. He says, go push on that. Push it up the hill. And this guy looks to God. He goes, God, push a, push a boulder, right? And so he goes, okay. And so he goes to this boulder. He begins to push and push and push. And he's pushing for hours. And he feels like nothing's happening. Well, guess what? He keeps pushing and pushing, and hours become days, and days become weeks, and he's made little progress. He's pushed that boulder some. He's just starting to get up the hill, and he's pushing, and he's pushing, and he's pushing, and then one day he just gets so frustrated, and he says, God, I give up. 
This is stupid. What's the point? And God says to him, son, have you considered what your arms look like today? Have you considered what your legs look like? Son, those shoulders that you got. I know some of you women are going, Papi, go push on a rock. <laughs> stop, stop, ladies, stop. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help myself. It just My mind goes there. I'm a very visual person. But anyway, my point is this. He begins to look at himself, and what he begins to realize is, is that as he did what God told him, there was a physical reality that came into play where he once did not see that expressed what had happened on the inside. He began to trust God, and all he knew that God said was push. And so he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. And how many of you know that sometimes we can hear the word of God and we can respond to the word of God, and it doesn't always feel comfortable? But here's one thing that we can rest upon. Because we have this hope which is an anchor for our mind, for our soul, for our lives. That when we cooperate with God and we take his word and it begins to impact how we believe and what we see and the lens with which we approach life, things begin to change not just on the inside but on the outside. I'm talking to somebody here today because you need to know that the God that lives in you is greater than the pressure that's pushing upon you. And the moment you begin to push back is the moment you begin to grow. Now listen, while this is a fictional story, it illustrates a fundamental truth about us all. There is a great strength within us that is greater than that which presses upon us. I get it. There's pressures in life. I get it. I think we all get it. There are circumstances that come in our lives that, you know, they're just a bit challenging. And sometimes they feel a bit overwhelming. Sometimes we just feel like, I can't help myself. I'm going to fail again, so why even try? And what I'm saying to you is that there's a greater one within you that's pressing outward, that's saying, I got you. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. I know you feel weak. I know you feel like you can't help yourself. I know you feel like you've been on this road one too many times, so why even try? And here's what Christ in you says. You can do all things because I'm with you. I am your strength. And so in order for us to overcome the pressures that pressed against us in every regard, as it pertains to our lives, we must become acquainted with that which is within us. And we must exercise it according to what the truth reveals to us. We must respond to that truth. We must uh, act according to that truth. Because when we do, that strength is manifested. While I'm talking to a room here, I hope that I'm making a personal connection with you right now. You're stronger than you know stronger you were stronger go ahead and tell somebody you're stronger tell somebody else you're stronger you're stronger listen you are stronger than you know stronger than you know but that'll become a reality in your life when you know the strength that is Christ in you 
1 John 4, 4, very familiar passage of scripture says this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. John here is writing to a people that are troubled by all this, uh, this uprising of people that are coming against Christ and against the revelation of Christ. Things are hot and heavy when John writes this. And he says, don't you worry. I know they're pressing upon you. I know they're persecuting. I know that they're killing you. I know that they're pursuing you. And in the midst of all that, he says, don't you worry about that. Because the one that lives in you is greater than the one that's in the world. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I, I should just stop right there. This sermon is done. This, what else can I add to that? Some of you are going, oh, man, good, because it's lunchtime. <laughs> Give me a couple of more minutes. You're the temple. You're the dwelling place of God. Listen, God Almighty. Take time to consider that. God, creator of all the universe, creator of everything, that God that spoke what was not into existence, and it was that God, that God, Scripture says, dwells in you. How can we be weak? How dare we be shaken? That God lives in you and I. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified, says this, For you did not give us the spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound judgment and personal discipline. Listen, abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. You know, now this is one of those scriptures that people have taken and twisted. Because here's what they've, here's what they've said. You see, fear is a spirit in your life. Fear comes upon you. And so here's what we do. We forsake our responsibility to do something with the truth, and we pawn it on a spirit. And that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying that the spirit that's in you, he's saying fear is not part of your makeup. Fear is not part of who you are in Christ. There is no reason for you to fear because I dwell in you. And so he clarifies to Timothy and he says, but what does live in you, the spirit that is in you is power and love and a sound mind, personal discipline. You have the ability to be calm in the midst of whatever storms come your way. You have the ability to remain well balanced. You have the ability to control your emotions and control the circumstances because although it's going crazy on the outside, you walk in peace on the inside. No matter what the pressure is without, let me put it to you this way, the pressure that lives within you that presses outward is greater. The feeling of pressure is born out of a lie. What does that mean? Look, I'm in no way negating that there are circumstances that pressure us at times. I am in no way negating. I'm not being so spiritually minded here that we're no earthly good. I'm not negating that there are things that come in our lives that push upon us, that press upon us, that sometimes have the ability to overwhelm us if we allow it. But what I am saying is this. 
What I'm saying is that if we believe that the pressures of life have a greater ability and power than the pressure and presence of God within us, we are believing a lie. We're believing a lie. Here's what it looks like. What's happening on the outside is greater than the God within me. That is a lie. That is a lie. And the moment we give more credence to the pressures on the outside than we do to the God that's in us on the inside, we are operating according to a lie. When that pressure mounts that way, when we go, oh my God, this is so difficult. I got so much going on. And we feel like we're crumbling. It's because you're believing a lie. You're believing a lie. I'm not saying that it isn't difficult. I'm not saying that it isn't challenging. I'm not saying that it might not even be hard. But what I am saying is that despite what that is and what it says, God is still greater. His word is still greater in your life. Maurice, come here, Maurice. I need the biggest guy here. Get, get over here. Get over here. This dude, man, look at that, man. Arnold ain't got nothing on you, man. <laughs> Stay right there, Maurice. I want to illustrate, illustrate something to you. I have a bottle here of seltzer, and it's full of water. Maurice, I want you to take, with those huge biceps of yours, I want you to take that with both your hands, and I want you to attempt to crush that. Squeeze as hard as you can. Don't, don't worry about it popping. Don't worry about it. You, no, just keep squeezing. Get harder. Get harder. What? Somebody else want to help him? Keep pressing. Let's squeeze on that. Are you noticing that no matter how hard he presses upon it, it's not popping? Right. Now, thank you, Maurice. Now, I want you to think about something. If you were to run your hands through that water, could you grasp it? No, no. no right? Could you manipulate that water with your hands at all? No, right? And yet, you might not be able to, you might be able to touch it, but you can't manipulate it. You can't direct it with your own hands. But here's what, what I want you to see. That that water on the inside that you can do nothing with physically with your hands to manipulate. On the inside, you press upon it, and guess what that water does? It presses harder than you ever could. That's why it's not being crushed. You could squeeze it. You could stand on it. You could do whatever you want to it. It's not going, it's not coming, it's not crumbling. It's not popping. It can't. Because the, the greater pressure on the inside, the greater power on the inside is greater than whatever could press on it on the outside. That's the Christ in you. That's the Christ in you. Colossians 2.10, I'm reading from the Amplified, says this. And in him you have been made complete. Achieving Spiritual stature through Christ. You know what the Bible's saying there? You've reached the same, you're just like Christ. Might not feel like it. You might not even see it. You might not act it. But here's what God's word declares about you. What I've done in you is brand new and it's complete. 
There's a giant in you. You know, I think scripture's got it backwards when it comes to David and Goliath. Because the giant wasn't Goliath. The giant was David. So it says, in him you've been made complete. Colossians 2.10. Achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. So if Christ is head above all, and that Jesus... His spirit is alive in you. Where do you stand? Where's your standing? And here we are, subjecting ourselves to lies. Oh, I can't. Oh, I'm weak. Oh, I'm no good. God can't use me. You just don't understand what I've been through. You just don't understand the Christ that lives in you. The shoe fits, change it. And so for the next couple of minutes that I have, I want to just take a moment to just unpack a little bit and give you some things to consider about the Christ that lives in you. About how to unleash, how to release this giant within you. See, the truth is this. That for every weakness that you have, there's power. For every evil that comes against you, there's love to overcome it in you. For everything that, every lie that comes against your mind that, that, that plagues you, that, that, that bombards you, that, that oppresses you, that pushes you down somehow, that somebody points their finger at you, there's soundness because of the truth of God's word in your mind where you can walk steady. You can, in the midst of it. And so my first point here in the next couple of moments that I have is this. Stop punishing yourself. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4, 18. 1 John chapter 4, 18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, complete love. Now, mind you, you've been created complete. In Christ, you lack nothing. And if we do lack anything, here's what we lack. We lack understanding. We lack knowledge of who Christ is. We lack knowledge of the word of God. That's when we live less than what the scriptures declare about Christ in us. And so he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, complete love, cast out all fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Notice that fear involves torment. Here's what that's referring to in the Greek. It's referring to a divine punishment, a penalty. It's referring to a mindset that says, I'm no good. It's a, it's a, it's a thought process that's dictated by condemnation. It's a, it's a thought process that says, I can't. I won't. This is too hard. This is too much. But the thing about it is this, that that torment, that fear does not come from God. And that fear is not part of your makeup. See, fears come. 
Things that try to intimidate us come. Fear is a choice, though. Fear is a response to a situation, to a person, to a thing, to a mindset, to a system. And so scripture here says that fear involves punishment. It's a mindset that looks at oneself as guilty. I deserve this situation. That's what it's saying. And in context, this is speaking of a person who lacks confidence in the love of God. So much so that their belief in God becomes an experience of self-inflicted punishment. Here's God, and we see God, but here's the mindset. I'm not good enough. God, you're, you're putting me in this storm. God, you brought this upon me. God, I deserve this. And so here's what begins to happen. This is essentially what, what's happening here, uh, uh, that the case for us is when we cave into the pressures of life and the onslaughts of the enemy of this world, what we do is we embrace a mindset that looks at it as we deserve this. And here's what happens with that fear. It becomes waves and waves and waves that continually wash over us. And so watch what happens. We begin to live in fear. We begin to live in distrust. We begin to cower in the midst of situations. But the thing is this. Who's the one taking on the fear? We do. That's why the scripture says this. That he who fears hasn't been perfected in love. You know what it's saying? If you're constantly racked in fear, you don't have confidence in God. You don't have confidence in his love. And so here's what I want to encourage us with, because somehow, for some of us, maybe we've adopted a mindset that says that all, all of us fear. All of us have the ability to fear. The believer, that's not your right. That's not your place. Christ in you is greater than any circumstance. Oh, you're just saying that because you're a preacher. That's your job, Pastor. Oh, don't let the jacket fool you. Don't let the title fool you. I'm no better than you. Same plane. We're children of God. That's where we're at. And I've been in places and I've been in circumstances and I've, and I've faced more things that I care to even remember. You just know me as Pastor Jose. You don't know the barrel that I came up from under. And what I am telling you is this, that when you take a hold of the truth of God's word, you'll find yourself being lifted up in life. I stand here today not because I'm better, not because I got a title, not because I was commissioned and all that, although all that is true, and yes, I've studied, and yes, I've gone to school, and all that, other, that that's all true, but that, that doesn't mean anything. Paul put it this way. He says, that which I've received, I didn't receive it from men. He says, I received it from Christ himself. 
I didn't go to Jerusalem to Peter and to James and the apostles. He says, I went directly to Christ. This is the guy that brought a revelation that Peter goes on to talk about. He goes, what that guy Paul's talking about, those mysteries, you need to listen to those things. There's some, there's, there's some deep truths there that we have to understand. It's Christ in you. So here's what I want to encourage you with. Maybe you've bought into the lie that says, I'm right where I should be because this is what I deserve. Maybe you're, you're racked with fears. Maybe your mind is plagued continually by the voices of the past, by the accusations of people, by the mistakes you've made. Maybe you feel that God himself is pointing his finger at you. It's not true. Fear isn't a part of your makeup. It's the love of God that's perfected you. So get back to that. Stop punishing yourself. Stop punishing yourself. You know, this week I went through a situation with, with someone that I know, and they called me, and, and they, they were in a real bad situation. Um, you know, struggling with addiction in some areas of their life and all that, and just tough, tough time. And I love this brother, man, and, 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 I, and I went to see him, and I picked him up and, you know, helped him out. And as I'm talking with him, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to him, and what I'm hearing him say is, Man, I'm no good, man. I messed up. I let my family down. You know, I've let you down. And I said, dude, who am I? Who am I to even look upon you based upon the results you're getting right now and judge you? The same Lord that I serve is the same Lord that you serve. And you might be going through some tough circumstances, but bro, stop condemning yourself. You, you, you know what's interesting? That when we condemn ourselves, when, when, we, when we find ourselves in that place, here's what we're doing. We're taking on a punishment that's not ours. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross and that by his stripes, right, by the punishment that was upon him, by the chastisement that was upon him, it says that he took that so that our peace could be upon us. So why are we punishing ourselves when he took it for us? Don't go there. Don't get stuck there. Live free. Move on from that. I have yet to see anyone accomplish anything according to fear and worry. I have yet to see anyone that where they've been and how they live is that they're fearful and they're worried and somehow that fear and worry leads to something good. Instead of going forward, here's what it causes a person to do, to retreat. I'm not going to be amongst them. I'm not good enough for this. I don't belong there. I don't, I, and what we do is we pull ourselves back. Really? Well, what does God's word say? I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope in the future. Calling you forward, not backwards. He's calling you to get moving, not retreat. So don't, stop punishing yourself. Second point I want to leave you with is this, forget not. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Psalm uh, chapter uh, 103, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. This is David 
David speaking, listen closely. At the surface level, it looks like David is speaking to himself. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. You know what that word is in the Hebrew? Crushed. Now, I know it looks crazy to some of us, you know, well, not so much, so, not so much these days and age, but I remember a time when you saw somebody walking and they were talking and nobody was talking with them, you would think they're crazy. <laughs> this day and age, they might have something in their ear, right? Or you look at people in the car back in the days and they're talking and there's somebody there, you call 911, right? And that, at the surface level, that's what it kind of looks like with David, like he's talking to himself. But actually what David's doing is he's talking to a part of himself that needs to understand something. The key there is this. Here's what reveals that. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking about his mind. And so here's what David is doing. He's addressing some misconceptions. He's addressing something that's contrary to what he knows about God. He says, have you forgotten all his benefits. You know, there are times when things don't look so great in front of me. And when I do look back, I'm not looking back at my past, but I'm looking at the one who brought me from my past. And so here I am. Have you ever noticed that? Think about it this way. Have you ever noticed that in your car, the windshield is bigger than the mirror, your rearview mirror? Have you thought about why? Because you're not supposed to spend too much time looking in the rear view. You're supposed to spend more time appreciating what's ahead of you. But when you do look back, here's what David's saying. Oh, how could I forget your benefits, Lord? How could I forget that you've healed all my diseases? That you've forgiven all my iniquities? How can I forget that you've redeemed my life from destruction? How can I forget that you've crowned me with loving kindness and with tender mercies? How can I forget that you've satisfied my mouth with good things and that you've renewed my strength, my life, like the eagle's wings? Listen, David addresses his mind. You know why? Because if we're left to our minds, if we leave our minds to themselves, they will run a course contrary to God's word and his life that's within us. David is literally training his mind in this scripture. And he's pressing against the thoughts that are coming against him. He's coming against the very things that are running through his mind that are telling him, God's not coming through this time, buddy. It's too hard. You can't make it. David is seizing these thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6 puts it this way. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What's a stronghold? You know what a stronghold is? A strong, that word stronghold there literally speaks of a castle, a fortress. But here's, here's what I want you to think about. 
It's something that's immovable. It's something that can't be penetrated. And in some cases, it's something that you can't get out of. Here's what um, Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 10. He's talking about a mindset that is dominant. That encircles you. That entraps you. Now, I want you to just take a moment right here and pause and consider for yourself. Don't shout yourself out. Don't tell nobody anything. But I want you to think about this. What are the dominant thoughts that plague you, that shake you? What are the thoughts that are so strong in your life that they cripple you, that they move you to an extent, that instead of acting according to what God's word says, they keep you from living free? That's a stronghold. We've all got to consider that. Every last one of us. Here you are saying, God, change my mind. God, do this in my mind. God, set my mind free. And God saying, you do it. The weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments. That word arguments is the Greek word for imaginations. It's the things that roll in our mind continually. He says, so casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know what scripture saying there? Let me point you to something here real quick. That term there in the Greek where it talks about bringing every thought into captivity, here's what it's talking about. It's talking about arresting a thought. But here's what it's also talking about in the Greek, interrogating it. So what does that look like? So here comes this negative thought. And that thought is dominating your mindset. I'm no good. I can't. So here comes the process. You're aware of the thought now. Now you understand this is a dominant thought in my life. But the question is, where did this thought come from? Where'd you come from? So now we start thinking critically about this, intelligently about this. Where did this thought come from in my mind? Maybe it's what you've been listening to. Maybe it's who you've been surrounding yourself. Whatever. Identify where that thought is coming from. But here's, here's the more important question. Does this thought align itself with what God's word says? In essence, what scripture is saying is arrest the thought. And you question where that thought is coming from and if that thought is valid according to God's word. So here you are saying, I can't, I'm not good enough. And here's what scripture is saying, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew you in the womb before the foundations of the world. I predestined you unto good works. I've called you. I call you chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation. You're my child, above reproach, righteous in my eyes. That's what the word says. You take what scripture says and you compare it and you combat it and you arrest it. And so when scripture says bringing it to the obedience of Jesus Christ, here's what it's saying. You arrest that thought forcefully. 
I've never seen a police officer say, sir, could, could, could you please keep your hands behind you, sir? And after he's put the cuffs on you, he says, sir, you know, just, let's just walk kindly. No. When an officer is going to arrest somebody doing his job, right, rightly doing his job, and he arrests somebody, there is no, it's like, get over Get over here, put your hands behind you, and let's get going. What if we took that attitude towards thoughts that are rogue and contrary to the word of God? What if we began to work forcefully with the truth of God's word, and we begin to arrest these thoughts and bring them to the obedience of Christ, seize the thought, question it, and then guess what? Get rid of it. That's how you begin to press against the pressure that comes from without. Last point I want to leave you here with is this. Draw from deep within. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? I don't have much time, but I want to just kind of share with you a quick little story. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it talks about a king named Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat has just gotten some news that's challenging. The people of Moab, the people of Ammon, and the people of Mount Seir are coming against them. These are people that at one time, they could have destroyed, but they didn't. And so, King Jehoshaphat gets a report and they say, hey, they're coming against us. They're coming to destroy us. And the Bible's very clear to point out that Jehoshaphat was afraid. Verse 3 says this. Jehoshaphat was afraid and set himself determinedly as his vital need to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. So here's what Jehoshaphat does. All this pressure's coming from the outside. And he's afraid. But then Jehoshaphat says, all right, I know what we're going to do. We're going to turn to the very one that established us in the first place. We're going to turn to God. And the Bible says that the people gathered together and that they fasted. I'm not saying that you got to fast in the midst of situations. There's nothing wrong with it. If you're going to fast, don't do it because you're trying to get something from God. That's not what fasting is about. Fasting is about you disciplining your body. About you dominating your body. That's what it's about. It's about you curbing this flesh so that you can exercise more of spiritual truth. So that you can clear your mind and all. So the people gathered together. He proclaims the fast all throughout Judah. And in the midst of this surmounting pressure against him and his own fear, instead of crumbling, Jehoshaphat quiets himself. He seeks the Lord. Jehoshaphat prays and he declares their dependence upon God. In verse 12 of 2 Chronicles 20, it says this. Jehoshaphat says, our eyes are on you, Lord. Our eyes are on you. And so Jehoshaphat, in the midst of this pressure, instead of freaking out on what's going on on the outside, he draws from within. He goes back to square one. He turns to God. And in verses 15 through 17, we see the response of the Lord. It says that, he said, listen carefully, all you people of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. The Lord says this to you. 
Be not afraid or dismayed at this great multitude. For they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the river valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Take your positions. Stand and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Listen closely. In those days, the people had to seek God from without. They had to go to a particular place, a temple of sorts, a tent of sorts, whatever. But they went somewhere to seek God. Today, that's not the case. Today, the Bible says that there's nothing that separates you from God, that you can go boldly before his throne. So I want you to see that you're in a better position than they were. You're in a better position. So God lives in you. He's with you. He never forsakes you. And in those moments when we're confronted with great pressure, we can dig deep with confidence, knowing that God is with us and leads us into victory. Let me show you verse 20 as I close here. It says, so they got up early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe and trust in the Lord your God. And you will be established, secure. Believe and trust in his prophets, listen closely, and succeed. When faced with the toughest moment of his reign as a king, Jehoshaphat did not trust and believe in his army. Je Jehoshaphat did not trust and believe in the size of his swords. Jehoshaphat did not put confidence in the walls that, in, that, that kept them safe within. Jehoshaphat believed and trusted God. He drew from deep within and the same is true for you and I today. I leave you with this thought as we close here. The greater one that lives within you is greater than the pressure that comes from without.